There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. I don't know. I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised at all of the disgusting, despicable people who actually play the moral relativism game regarding this war, it's just mind-boggling, even if you expect it. So I'm not surprised when I hear members of the Knesset saying after listening to the dialogue that's taking place, and particularly, you know, with the media, oh my God, the media really has dropped all pretenses at, at fairness. And now you've got this Israeli lawmaker, uh, Tali Gottlieb, who's not only a member of the Knesset for the Likud party, but she's also a lawyer. He's a lawyer. I don't even know if it's a he or or, or a she. But uh, basically, what they wrote on X, formerly Twitter, was Jericho Missile, Jericho Missile, strategic alert before considering the introduction of forces, doomsday weapon. This is my opinion. May God preserve all our strength. Now, of course she's being attacked for this, but I have to tell you, have you not thought that same thought? How long will the world tolerate the unmitigated hatred for Jews? Well, I guess the answer is clear. Forever. It's never, ever, ever, ever going to change. So the Jewish-Israeli people got to do what they got to do because they will never be given a a break or, or, or fair coverage of this. There has to be an explosion that shakes the Middle East. That's it. Not flattening a neighborhood, not flattening, uh, you know, the, the Hamas lead Gaza. We're talking no mercy. No mercy. Hamas is laughing at the whole world, in particular laughing at Israel. Nikolai Sokov, who's a senior fellow at the uh, Vienna Center for Disarmament and Nonproliferation, That kind of loose talk has become very prevalent since the war in Ukraine and now the escalation in Gaza. Part of it, he thinks, is understandable due to serious security crises, a lack of knowledge, visible political positions, and more people generally pondering the use of such weapons and the effect on a global scale. For Israel, such loose talk is perhaps even more damaging because the country doesn't even admit it has nuclear weapons. So my question to everyone today is, 
Do they need to admit it? Or do they need to use it? And it's not an easy question. I have friends who have just come back into the country. I have a friend who went to celebrate her birthday in Israel. I won't tell you what year because I never reveal a lady's age. But they went to Israel and had to return right away. And I can, you know, I thank God that they were able to to get out before the fighting began. Well, the, the fighting had begun, but Israel had not gotten into the fight yet. And you need to know that there are a lot of lawmakers in our Congress here in the United States of America who voted to block funding for Israel. Opposed funding the Iron Dome defense system and still are making that ridiculous statement. I mean, Hamas fired rockets at Israel. Dozens of fighters infiltrated by air, by land, and by sea in areas near the Gaza Strip just this last Saturday morning. So let me ask you a question. Do you really believe that anyone who doesn't support Israel vocally, you know, makes no secret about it, the Rashid Talibs, the AOCs. Do you not think they should be called out? We did have one, a Republican guy back in March who voted, or it was actually last year, uh, Thomas Massey, wrote, voted against Iron Dome funding. He and eight Democrats and you have to you have to ask yourself a question what what is that all about no foreign aid is his position it's not the position of the talibs and the and the ilhan omars though their position is screw israel we don't care you know from into the sea for them the vote back in i guess it was august of last year you know, they continue to say, well, Israel gets like $3.8 billion of foreign aid from us, the hardworking American taxpayers, every year. I don't have a problem with that, do you? I don't have a problem with the idea that the technology that has come out of joint efforts by Israelis and Americans is beyond your wildest imagination. And I'm not just talking about national security. I'm talking about medical innovation. The combining of these two democracies has yielded tremendous advantages for democracy, period. That's why, you know, I get upset with uh, Dr. Rand, uh, Rand Paul. He didn't oppose the Iron Dome funding. And he's always supported Israel, but he's been involved in the debate of lowering funding, period. And you can have that as a legitimate debate, but that's not what Cory Bush's position is. That's not what Andre Carson's position is. It's not what Jesus Garcia's position is, or Raul Grijalva, or Marie Newman, or Ilhan Omar, or Ayanna Presley, or Rashida Talib. That's not their position. Their position is screw the Jews. And now that we know it, 
And now that we're watching the Jews fighting for their very existence, their right to exist, can you imagine me listening to these people uh, pounding the table about the apartheid regime? Hey, I'm having a tr I'm having a lot of trouble with them. I really am. I, I I can't. I never liked them, but I tolerated them, and I said they represent a percentage of Americans, and therefore those Americans are entitled to have representation. That's what a republic is. But this has gone too far. The idea that we have people who are in leadership positions in this country who think it's okay to behead infants makes me so sick to my stomach and makes me feel as though we really have to, we have to put a stop to this kind of uh, belief system infiltrating this country. You would have never seen this in the 1930s or the 40s or the 50s. You would have never seen, and believe me, liberals, socialists, they were all there at that time. Most of them were Jewish. But there was never conversations like what I've been hearing taking place now. This acceptance, more than acceptance, this approval of these murderous, so hard not to use uh, you know language that's unnecessary, but feels like it would make me feel better if I just said the word. But this garbage masquerading as human beings need to be wiped off the face of the earth. You know, it's like when people say to me, well, you're so, uh, you don't like government, so how could you approve of the death penalty? You're giving the government the permission to terminate a life. Well, when you have these uh, perpetrators of heinous crimes, multiple murders, eating the bodies. You know, th some people just got to be got to be killed. End of story. I'm not going to you know debate that any longer. That debate is over. I mean, obviously, I don't believe you should give every uh, criminal who commits a certain type of crime the death penalty, but you certainly need to have one because there are certainly some people who do not deserve any oxygen. They're stealing my oxygen and doing evil things. So no matter where you're positioning yourself in this fight in Israel, you could be anti-Israel for all I care, but you can't be pro cutting babies' heads off. That's not how we fight our battles. That's not how the world wants this dispute, which really isn't a dispute. These are not two nations. We don't need to discuss the Palestinian people as a nation because they're not a nation. Nations have a language. Nations have currency. They don't have any of that stuff. Okay, These are nomadic Arabs that the Arab world has displaced and now use as political pawns in every argument about the coming of the end. And I'm tired, I'm really tired of hearing people who should know better talk about depravity as though it weren't a big deal. It's a really big deal. What I've seen, the video that I've seen, I can't. I can't turn away 
and I can't deny how despicable the behavior is, and I will not excuse it for any reason. It's open-air prison. You know, that line is nauseating. They're breathing. The babies, the 40 babies that were just living their lives in a commune don't know anything about anything to be killed, slaughtered, and beheaded? I just, there's just no, there's no explaining that other than to say, this is vermin that needs to be wiped out. Not, and mercilessly. You know, not a humane trial in an international court for war crimes. Uh-uh, uh-uh. While I'm not calling for them to die the way they killed, that's okay. And I really don't care how much pain gets inflicted. Because I can't. I cannot consider them human. I know. Someone like me who has faith and all this other stuff isn't supposed to speak this way. But you can't have seen the things that we've seen over the last couple of days and have any concern, unless you happen to be anti-life, you can't just excuse it. There is no excuse for what I've seen, none. Women bleeding from between the legs because of the brutal rapes that were taking place among the dead bodies at that music festival. We're talking about young people who went to a music festival, slaughtered, raped, uh, tortured, their bodies desecrated. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I don't care what your political beliefs are. I don't care what you consider your situation. Your open-air prison does not entitle you to chop babies' heads off. And once you've done that, all bets are off whatever it takes. They cannot allow Hamas to be in charge of anything. They cannot allow any Hamas on the planet Earth. I feel the same way about ISIS. I felt the same way about Al-Qaeda. They relinquish their right to life when they become butchers of innocent people. It's done. I accept your resignation from the human race and now allow me to expedite your departure. That's my attitude. And you may not share that attitude. That's okay. But don't you dare defend what I've been watching. Don't do it. Because it just makes me think of you in the same light. Let me take a, uh, a quick time out. Don't forget, you can download our app on your phone, on your computer. That way you have access to the No Restraint podcast, which a lot of people have told me, you know, help them to understand better in the early stages of what's going on. Of course, everything keeps evolving and it's moving so quickly. But terrorism is terrorism. And if you want to know where the terrorists are coming next, you should have the app on your phone because I have a terrible feeling that is coming to a neighborhood near you soon. Let me take the quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, 
Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. So you explain to me, because I, I just, maybe it's me. Maybe uh, there's something wrong with me. I'm not sure. But how do you rationalize or or even empathize with a rocket attack on a children's hospital. The child development wing of the Barzillet Medical Center in Ashkelon, this is the very center that I stood in front of when I described to my guide how I didn't understand why they were teaching children not to be traumatized by running into a bomb shelter while the Palestinians, as I could see through my binoculars, were teaching their children how to march with machine guns and then aim them at Israeli citizens. Now, that veritable hospital was struck in Ashkelon with fresh attacks just today. And if you look at the video, you can see that they destroyed part of the building uh, a, a picture of a blood-soaked child's bed. Now, this is a moot question, and it doesn't really matter, but who's worse, Hamas or ISIS? Because as far as I'm concerned, they're the same thing. And retaliation against Hamas has to happen. And it has to be so huge that these groups will never again think they can get away with murdering babies and, and videotaping it and making sure everybody gets to see it. Projectiles hitting children's hospitals? It, they destroyed the whole center. Then they had rockets uh, that went an, a, into a supermarket with vehicles blown up all over the place. You look at the pictures of the people who are in the shelters in Ashkelon. I have a picture of me and uh, then a candidate for Congress. We were on the security trip in Israel. I have a picture of the two of us in a bomb shelter. It might even be a video because I remember the conversation that we had was can you picture yourself cowering in this corner for who knows how long. And then realizing that the Iron Dome, which typically destroys many of the rockets, got overwhelmed by the sheer number of rockets that were fired. And now they have men on the ground shooting anyone that they come across and uh, beheading every now and then, a rape every now and then. And you're cowering in this shelter. I said, just for a moment, try and imagine that. Today, I got to see the picture. I got to see a young woman holding her cell phone, cowering, crying in a shelter because the rockets coming from Gaza, you, you can't even leave the shelter anymore. How, how do you feel when you hear the story of a teenager who watches these Hamas animals 
murder both of his parents while he plays dead next to their bodies. He was only 16 years old. He watched the militants murder, militants, he watched the savages, as Don, uh, Dan Bongino calls him, he watched the savages murder both of his parents and he hid himself under a cloth covered in blood because he thought if they came back, they would kill him too. He was in the Holit Kibbutz. He lived there with his parents and his siblings. And when Hamas stormed the area, his family tried to barricade themselves inside the house during the attack, but the gunman shot bullets and threw grenades into a family home. His mother threw her body onto his and bore the brunt of the gunfire. Saved his life. He was interviewed on ABC's Good Morning America this morning. I don't watch that show, but I heard they were going to interview some of the survivors. And he talked about, this is a 16-year-old kid. The terrorists shot open the door. They throw a grenade or something that exploded. The last thing my dad said is, I lost my arm, and then my mom died on top of me. And he just hid. I stopped breathing. I lowered it down. This is what he said. This is heartbreaking. He lowered his, I just stopped breathing. He said, I lowered it down as much as I possibly could. I didn't move. I was terrified. I didn't make any noise. And I prayed for any God. I didn't really care which God. I just prayed for a God that they wouldn't find me. And of course, Hamas, Hamas came back and they set fire to the entire kibbutz just in case there were any survivors of the shootings. And somehow Matthias, this kid, managed to escape the gunfire and the flames and then was reunited with other family members. His grandfather said they came back. This is so important. They wanted to verify that they had killed everybody, so they set the fire. This is a story that comes from the Holocaust. They set the fire to ensure if there were any survivors, they would exit. They'd run out of the burning buildings and then they could shoot them, they could murder them. A professor at Brandeis University in Massachusetts said that Hamas's attack had been rehearsed and carefully planned. This is not a normal war. She, he said, I was on the phone with Deborah as she was killed. We were on the phone with our grandson, Rotham, as he first laid under her body. This is the teenager. This is not a military event. This is not a military strike. It's when a military strikes at civilians. It was rehearsed, it was planned, and it was carried out. You look at what they're doing, taking hostages from infants to senior citizens. This is a human rights outrage that really echoes the kind of uh, pro pogroms that took place when when everybody was fleeing Europe, coming to the safety of America. How safe do you feel in America right now? His grandson will recover from the physical wounds of that attack, but does anybody think he'll ever be okay? He'll be traumatized for the rest of his life. The brunt of the shot was borne by his mother. It did penetrate his stomach, by the way, but missed the vital organs. And he's 16. He survived this. And he will survive more. But the trauma 
of this will last his lifetime. We know at least 14 Americans, now they're saying 16, have been killed so far, and at least 20 are missing. <laughs> I'm just going to throw this out there. You know, tonight I'll get to ask him in person uh, up in Palm Beach. But does anybody believe for one minute that if Donald Trump was the president, any of this would be happening? If you said you believe that, that, that Donald Trump couldn't have prevented this, you're an idiot. Turn off the radio. I don't want you in my audience. Let me take a quick break. I'll be right back. Oh, my goodness. Every time I turn around, there's more bad news. That's all I can tell you. And I know you're experiencing the same thing. You just, you just watch in horror and think, how does this end? Well, I know how it ends because I've read the entire book. So I know how it ends. And while that is reassuring, um, things are going to get a lot worse before they get better. And I think that's something we're going to have to deal with. Apparently, now the Hamas has started calling, phone calling the parents of kidnapped children. This is more horror facing these families. I mean, first they're ripped apart by a brutal terrorist attack, and then they're calling family members of the Israeli hostages who were kidnapped and are now in Gaza somewhere in the Gaza Strip. And <laughs> they're calling them. Addie Mizell's mother has not heard from her 21-year-old daughter since Saturday morning, but she, but she has had Arabic speakers contacting her on WhatsApp telling her that her daughter was being held captive by Hamas. Speaking to Fox News Digital, she said, I'm now getting many calls on WhatsApp from Arabic speakers telling me that Hamas is holding her and I can hear screams in the background. I know they are calling other parents too. How can they be so inhumane? And she added, I am ashamed of the human race. I know what she's saying. I feel the same way. Why would they do this to people who are not even involved in this war? It won't get them anywhere. It won't give them anything. And now they're going to be attacked like never before. And more mothers will end up losing their children, Palestinian mothers. This was a, kid, a young woman attending a, a, whatever they call this, a trance festival in the desert in southern Israel where they killed 260 mostly young people, and then took prisoners. Other prisoners were taken right out of their homes. The Hamas terrorists flew in on gliders. Have you seen all of the, you know, supportive memes uh, showing people on gliders like it's an accomplishment, like it's something we should be celebrating? I know Rashida Tlaib is celebrating it. Apparently students at Harvard were celebrating it. Apparently, the people who came on, Sun on Bull Broward Boulevard or Sunrise Boulevard, they were celebrating it, and they think it's really cool. They're all going to be wearing their gl glider T-shirts and celebrating the murders of children. So, you know, am I supposed to feel bad for 
anybody on the other side, on the side of Hamas? This is crazy. The, this is abducting entire families, including infants and children. Uh, that, that poor German woman, every, I will never get that image out of my head. People in the crowd were spitting on her. They had stripped her clothes off and her legs were splayed in a way that says, you know, these are hopelessly, completely broken. And people are running in the streets cheering. You just can't make this stuff up. Another video showing an Israeli soldier being beheaded by terrorists. Uh, they just need to flatten that entire strip. Any Israeli operation is going to be complicated by the hostages. That's why they took them. And the, the reports that you're hearing that Qatar is attempting to broker a deal with Hamas to free the hostages, you know why it's happening there? Because the leader of Hamas is in Qatar. So are you going to trust the people who are harboring the serpent head with anything? Are you going to pay them off? Are you going to release Palestinian prisoners? What, what exactly is the plan here? I know we, we, we can't know all the details, but it sure would have been nice if the President of the United States yesterday told me there was a plan, reassured us that there was a plan, and it included living hostages being returned. But I didn't hear that. And I didn't hear the word Iran in anything that he said. I played it back two or three times just to make sure I, 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 it was said, and I just didn't hear it. I hope one of those parents who's being called by Hamas or by Arabic speakers records the phone conversation and then sends it to the White House. I mean, I, I don't think the president has any empathy or sympathy for the Hamas, but is he ever going to admit that there's some policies of his that have literally enabled it? Donald Trump called him stupid and incompetent over this war. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree. Now you got the mayor of New York and plenty of other mayors around the country warning that there's going to be a terror attack on New York by a lone wolf who's radicalized by Hamas. <laughs> Is there any doubt? Are there people still in America who think that the southern border does not entail multiple terrorists coming across it who are now poised to jump into what they consider the festival of Jew killing? This is an open-door policy that has now brought these very same animals that you're reading about or looking at images of on television who would rape a woman until she was torn in two. Yeah, they're here. They're not coming. They're here. And you better be prepared. I can tell you, I'm prepared. Uh, that, that, that kind of stuff is not happening in my neighborhood, no matter what it takes. If they don't flatten Gaza, I'll flatten 
MLK Boulevard in Coconut Creek, if that's what it takes. But you better understand that this is not, uh, this is not negotiable. Terrorists have to be destroyed. They don't have to be managed. They don't have to be isolated. They don't have to have sanctions placed against them. They have to be killed. And if you are not ready for the possibility that there are terrorists who are coming into your neck of the woods, then uh, get out of my way because I'm going to defend my family. I'm going to defend my home, and I'm definitely going to defend my husband and I. And whatever that entails... That's how it's going down here. As for me and my house, we will serve the one only true Lord. And I'm just going to help them. I mean, obviously, these terrorists want to meet their, you know, Allah. They're screaming Allah Akbar, right? I want to help them to get there as quickly as possible. Don't forget, coming up after me, Eric Erickson, followed by Joe Paggs, Lars Larson, all the overnight people. And then, of course, Jen and Bill will be back at 6 a.m., followed by Brian Kilmeade at 9, followed by Dan Bongino at noon. And then, of course, I'll be back at 3 o'clock. So you don't want to touch that dial. I have one segment left, and you don't want to miss it. I'll be right back. So uh, I know that I'll probably get to, if not actually see many of you, will be in the same place. And that's interesting and exciting because Donald Trump will be speaking. And you've got to admit, there is a, a real hunger right now for anyone who would stand up and be tough we're tired of all of this politically correct and, you know, nicey-nice and, well, we're indig indignant. I'm not indignant. I'm furious. There's a difference. I believe in leaders who are furious right now. I, I really don't want to be reasonable or rational. I don't. I have no desire to win an argument. I want to see justice. And when I look at those images of what they did to those senior citizens, to those babies, babies. What harm could those babies have posed to them? It's, it's really, it's all biblical and I get it, but I'm just so unbelievably angry right now that I, I don't want a reasonable person in charge. I don't think that Bibi Netanyahu is feeling particularly reasonable today. I think Bibi Netanyahu knows that his entire future rests on whether or not he manages the situation differently, differently than it's always been handled. He has to wage war against Hamas, and he has to reduce the terrorists to rubble so that the world, not just the terrorist organization Hamas, which must be destroyed, but the world, all of the uh, forces out there, whether it's Al-Qaeda re-establishing itself, whether it's uh, you know one of these other groups that are in Yemen. I mean, there's a group now in Yemen that's on the side of, the, of these murderous thugs talking about how we're with you and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna emulate you. We're gonna do the same thing. You gotta wipe them out. All of them. And that's where Donald Trump comes in, in my opinion. 
because you got to have some stones to do and support what needs to be done. And I think that they have proven that together, they're a pretty impressive force, Trump and Netanyahu. But this time, the world has to be ignored. You have to show, not the apocalyptic uh, photos of Gaza, because I, I'm not sympathetic. You know, the Gaza brought this upon themselves. So the hostages may very well be hidden in secret tunnels, and basically at this point, they're, they're buried alive. They, they are perhaps going to be the first sacrifices in this war. But they got to get this Hamas commander, this secretive, you know, well, we kind of know where he is, <laughs> Mohammed Daif. They've tried to assassinate this guy a few times. He's the commander of the armed wing of Hamas, but he has gotten away over and over again. And if they don't get him, by the way, they did maim him. He's in a wheelchair now. They did kill his wife and they did kill his baby son. But this is his retaliation, I guess. And he orchestrated or actually directed the brutality of these attacks. He murdered entire communities of people on the Gaza border and kidnapped babies and the elderly. So he's no longer a, a, you know, he didn't take this insurgent militia, as they like to call Hamas, and turn it into a, a fighting force. He successfully challenged one of the mightiest militaries in Israel, the IDF, and executed a ground invasion. You got to take him out. I'm tired of looking at pictures of him. You got to get him and all the rest of the leadership of Hamas. And you, and you have to make sure that those photographs circuit, just like the ones of brutalized, raped women and babies. You need to let his savage end, now his, his savage reign or run or whatever you want to call it. He's like a mythical person right now. Few people inside Hamas have even ever seen him, have ever met him. He's remained in the shadows for two decades. He moves from one home to another. He's been able to evade Israeli assassination. He's got numerous nicknames. His real name isn't even Daif, which in Arabic means guest in reference to his nomadic lifestyle. But Mohammed al-Masri, according to the U.S. government, designates him a terrorist. He's like a ghost. He's the commander of Al-Qassam, but we really don't know who he is. That's what all the political scientists were saying today on television. I don't want to hear that anymore. Take him out. I have no sympathy or respect for this piece of garbage that orchestrated the militant wing of Hamas to murder and plunder through a, a, a community, through a, a music festival. A kibbutz, 40 babies. Who does that? String them up and let everybody look. Anyway, it's like the Wild West to me. So I thank you for your time this time until next time. 
My plan is to be back here tomorrow at 3 o'clock, and I should have some stories to tell when I get to see Donald Trump all fired up tonight. If it be his will and he delays his coming, I'll be back at 3 o'clock. In the meantime, you know what I always say. May God bless you. May God bless Israel. And may God bless the United States of America. Don't kid yourself. They're here. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.